Hi, welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 105, Great Are the Words of Isaiah. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. I have spent the most wonderful week reading Isaiah. I feel like my whole podcast has built up to the day that I would have to speak about Isaiah because I, like many of you, find Isaiah hard to understand. And so I've kind of had Isaiah built up in my mind as this this big thing where I wasn't totally qualified to talk about it. And I can honestly say that I have absolutely loved studying these first 12, 12 chapters in Isaiah this week. And I think it's really a lot thanks to our studying the Old Testament. Our studying of the Old Testament this year has set us up to understand the context and the the people and all of the things that Isaiah is talking about. And it also has helped give us an identity of who the house of Israel is and that we are a part of it. And therefore, when we read Isaiah, we really can have a personal connection with what he's talking about because he's talking ultimately about what will happen with us, with the house of Israel and all that we are working to gather to bring to Israel. These first 12 chapters, a lot of it is talking about the fate of Jerusalem and what is about to happen to Jerusalem during the time period that he lived. It's him talking to Judah, the king of Judah, and him talking to the king of the northern 10 tribes and trying to get them to listen. And ultimately, we know that they don't. There is also a fair amount about what will happen during, before, and after the second coming and what that will be like and watching the destruction of Jerusalem and and the warnings that they are given beforehand can kind of help us see that being mirrored in our day so we know what to watch out for. It also can serve as a way of us holding on to and, and acquiring perhaps hope that everything is going to work out exactly as he has planned and everything's going to be okay. I love looking at these prophecies and seeing how they've been fulfilled. As you guys know, I'm kind of a an Israel nerd a little bit. I love watching the history of Israel and how it has played out in our modern times and how it lines up so perfectly with these prophecies. David Ben-Gurion was modern Israel's first prime minister. And he said this really cool quote that I think just rings so true. He says, in Israel, in order to be a realist, you must believe in miracles. And that's because the Jewish people, based on history, based on what has happened to every other civilization that has disappeared, they should have disappeared by now, but they haven't. And they've come back to be a strong force in the world, just as it was prophesied. Think of how crazy it is that this tiny country, really, really tiny, in the middle of, of a Middle East that is fairly against them, has thrived and become powerful. And all that to say, I just think it's so cool to watch how their civilization, how their people have survived when they shouldn't have survived. And it's all because the Lord prophesied that it will be so and that they are a chosen people. All right, now let's dive in to Isaiah. I'm going to start out by quoting the Savior. In 3 Nephi chapter 23, verse 1, it says, And now behold, I say unto you that ye ought to search these things. Yea, a commandment I give unto you that ye search these things diligently. For great are the words of Isaiah. 
Jesus says this after quoting Isaiah. Yea, I give a commandment unto you that ye search these things diligently. We are commanded to try to understand Isaiah. And I know that I have fallen into the trap in my life, you know, when I get to Second Nephi or, or any time that I'm, I'm reading the words of Isaiah, I feel like, oh, I just want to get through this because I don't know what he's saying anyway. But when I read those words of the Savior, I feel like he's talking to me. I give unto you that ye search these things diligently. And I know that this is a commandment that I can do because, like Nephi, I know that the Lord giveth no commandment unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way that they may accomplish the thing which he hath commanded them. We, more than any people in the history of the world after Isaiah, have no excuse to not understand Isaiah. We have so many resources. We have books. We have prophets who have given commentary on it. We have the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants that have all given commentary on it. We have the Bible Dictionary that gives us backgrounds into each of the the different people that he's talking about. We can figure out Isaiah. You can figure out Isaiah. I promise you that as you work hard, I'm not going to say it's easy, as you work hard and you study, you absolutely can understand Isaiah. And not only can you, but you should, because the Lord himself has commanded us. The Book of Mormon was written for us. And so the Savior, when he said that, when he said, a commandment I give unto you, that ye search these things diligently, he was not only talking to those Nephites on the steps of the temple, he was talking to us. Isaiah's name means Jehovah saves or the Lord is salvation. Isaiah is quoted in scripture more than any other prophet. In the Old Testament student manual, it says there are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, making a total of 1,292 verses. The prophets in the book of Mormon quoted 414 of those, 32% of the book of Isaiah. They paraphrased at least another 34 verses, which is 3%. The Nephite prophets considered Isaiah's writing to be of such great worth that they put approximately 35% of the book of Isaiah in the valuable space they had on the plates. Isn't that humbling to realize? It was humbling for me as I thought about how little I understand Isaiah and how, and especially not just how little I understand, how little I have tried to understand. But those Book of Mormon prophets dedicated a huge amount of space to include the words of Isaiah because they knew that we needed it and they knew that the Lord wanted us to have it. Jacob said in 2 Nephi chapter 6, verse 5, And now the words which I shall read are they which Isaiah spake concerning all the house of Israel. Wherefore, they may be likened unto you, for ye are of the house of Israel. And there are many things which have been spoken by Isaiah, which may be likened unto you, because ye are of the house of Israel. The words of Isaiah can be likened unto us. And then Nephi said in 1 Nephi chapter 25, verses 1-5, through 5, Now I, Nephi, do speak somewhat concerning the words which I have written, which have been spoken by the mouth of Isaiah. For behold, Isaiah spake many things which were hard for many of my people to understand, for they know not concerning the manner of prophesying among the Jews. For I, Nephi, have not taught them many things concerning 
the manner of the Jews, for their works were works of darkness, and their doings were doings of abominations. Wherefore I write unto my people, unto all those that shall receive hereafter these things which I write, that they may know the judgments of God, that they come upon all nations according to the word which he hath spoken. Wherefore hearken, O my people, which are of the house of Israel, and give ear unto my words. For because the words of Isaiah are not plain unto you, nevertheless they are plain unto all those that are filled with the spirit of prophecy. Which, side note, John the Revelator defined the spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus Christ. So if you have a testimony of Jesus Christ, you have access to the spirit of prophecy. Continuing with Nephi. But I give unto you a prophecy according to the spirit which is in me, Wherefore I shall prophesy according to the plainness which hath been with me from the time that I came out of Jerusalem with my father. For behold, my soul delighteth in plainness unto my people that they may learn. Yea, and my soul delighteth in the words of Isaiah. For I came out of Jerusalem, and mine eyes hath beheld the things of the Jews. And I know that the Jews do understand the things of the prophets. And there is none other people that understand the things which were spoken unto the Jews like unto them, save it be that they are taught after the manner of the things of the Jews. You know what I'm thinking as I read that from Nephi? Nephi says that his soul delighteth in plainness, whereas Isaiah not so plain. So we have prophets with different methods. We have the Book of Mormon that was written for our time to gather Israel. And then we have Isaiah that is much less clear. So what are the different purposes of each prophet? Clearly not every prophet works works the same. And what are the differences between what they are saying? I just think it's cool to think about the different layers of learning that the Lord is providing for us. He's providing us Nephi, who delights in plainness, who is easy to learn from. And then for a more spiritually mature, ready person, prepared person, we have Isaiah. The Lord wants and expects us to learn at our level and has given us prophets and words that we can do that. He didn't just give us all Isaiah. He gave us the gospel in plainness. And then he gave us more complex things, more spiritually advanced things for us to, to figure out once we're ready to be there. He gave us milk and not just meat, just like Jesus Christ. Christ said a lot of things that are very plain, but Christ made sure to reveal doctrine to those who were spiritually mature enough to understand them while still veiling it from people who weren't ready to understand. And because he did that, he was protecting those who weren't ready to have that knowledge from having it and therefore being more accountable for that knowledge. Isaiah is similar. Isaiah is for people who are willing to put in the work to understand and who have the spirit with them. Now, I want to address a thought that I'm sure at least some of you are having. I am not someone who is spiritually mature enough to understand. I am not meant to understand, and it really doesn't matter that much. I just want to reiterate again, the Savior commanded us to understand and search diligently the words of Isaiah. And Nephi taught us that the Lord gives us no commandment, save he shall prepare a way. A way is prepared for you to understand Isaiah. Now, that doesn't mean, like I said, that you shouldn't kind of be honest with yourself. It might not be something that you want to start out with. If you feel like you have other things you need to work on first, that's not a bad thing. But understanding Isaiah will not come if you haven't 
gotten some basic understanding and acceptance of more core doctrine. For instance, for me, I have found that understanding the history that we've been going over all year in the Old Testament helps me a lot in understanding Isaiah. I'm way more equipped now that I'm more familiar with the Old Testament. But in addition to that, One of my favorite tools that I have used personally is a book by David J. Ridges called Your Study of Isaiah Made Easier. So with that, as I describe to you some of the things that we read about this week, um, know that that is a book that I am pulling heavily from. All that being said, there is so much jam-packed into Isaiah that I couldn't even begin to try and give you a summary of what's in chapter 1 through 12. It's so detailed nor do I think I am entirely qualified to do so, since I'm very much in the midst of figuring it out myself. I was torn today about between two things that I wanted to talk about. My first inclination was that I wanted to talk about one of my favorite phrases in Isaiah. And for as long as I can remember, this phrase always pops up in my head. And it's repeated in Isaiah many times. It says, his hand is stretched out still. When I have thought that phrase before in my life, usually it's in in the context of repentance. And I also think as we read it in Isaiah, it also seems to be in the context of him talking about repentance, that we can always come back to him. However, it can also remind us that the Lord's judgment is an ever-present future that will happen to all of us, righteous and wicked. So just some things to think about as you read how many times this is repeated in chapters 1 through 12. But I think I've decided to talk about chapter 6. This chapter begins with a vision that Isaiah saw when he was called to serve the Lord. Now, before we really start to get into this, I want to tell you why I want to talk about this. We are commanded to study and try and understand the words of Isaiah. In this chapter, Isaiah was commanded to preach and prophesy and do really hard things. I think we can learn in this chapter valuable lessons about taking that challenge, believing the Lord when he says we can do it, when he says that he will be with us, when he says he will give us power, and when he says that it's possible. Isaiah's vision begins when he sees the Savior sitting on a high throne with the skirts of his robe trailing down, filling the temple. The skirts of his robe aren't intended to be literal, but they're symbolic of his power and his authority. Above him were angelic beings, each with six wings, some of the wings covering their face and their feet, which is symbolic of reverence for the Lord. And the wings are also symbolic of their power to move and act in God's work. Isaiah then hears one angelic being, which are called seraphims, say to the others, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When things are repeated three times in Hebrew, it means the very, very best. When the angelic being, the seraphim, says this, the door shook and the house was filled with smoke. Smoke is symbolic of the Lord's presence. When that happened, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah is completely overwhelmed because he feels like he isn't good enough to be there and be seeing the Lord. Then one of the angelic beings came to him with a hot coal that he or she took from the altar, and they laid the coal in his mouth, which seems kind of mean. (laughs) But what does that coal represent? 
It's symbolic of the atonement and the Holy Ghost cleansing us by fire. The seraphim then said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sins purged. In essence, the angel has just proclaimed that the atonement of Jesus Christ is applied to Isaiah, that he is now spotless and without sin. It's at this point that you will see a shift in Isaiah. He believes what he has been told and that he has been cleansed through the atonement of Jesus Christ. He started out this vision feeling completely overwhelmed just at the sight of the Lord, feeling like he wasn't good enough. But then he's told that his sins are forgiven him. And you can tell by the shift in him that he believes what he's been told. He then hears the voice of the Lord. The Lord says, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. What a transformation in Isaiah's confidence. He was told that his sins were forgiven, and he believed. And then he was ready to volunteer when the Lord asked. It's at this point that the Lord fills him in on what he will be going to do. The Book of Mormon in 2 Nephi chapter 16, verse 9, makes significant changes to the next verse where the Lord tells him what he's about to do. The Lord says, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but they understood not, and see indeed, but they perceive not. Basically, the Lord's saying that this isn't going to be easy and that the people won't understand. The Lord explains to Isaiah that the people's hearts are fat, meaning that they're insulated and not able to feel, and that their ears are heavy, meaning that they're, they're deaf to spiritual matters, and that their eyes are blind, meaning they're spiritually blind. The Lord tells Isaiah that they will only understand if they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. Isaiah then asks the Lord, how long will people be like this? And the Lord says, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate, which means essentially as long as people are around until the second coming of Jesus Christ. But the Lord then assures Isaiah that there won't ever be a time when everyone will be destroyed and that there will always be a remnant. Can you imagine being Isaiah? First, you're completely overwhelmed because you feel as though you're not worthy of this call. Even less than that, you feel like you aren't worthy to even be in his presence. Then you realize that the atonement of Jesus Christ has cleansed you and is taking your sins from you, so you are worthy. But then you're called to preach to a people that you are told, for the most part, will not listen to you. And you're told that people will be like this until the millennium. Talk about a tall order from the Lord here. What we are reading this week and next week are the fruits of that call. Isaiah fulfilled his obligation beautifully, exactly as the Lord wanted him to. Isaiah is quoted by the Savior himself. Isaiah is quoted through the Book of Mormon. Isaiah is quoted through the Doctrine and Covenants. This prophet, who started out feeling inadequate, then given the overwhelming responsibility of teaching a people he is told will not listen for the most part, and yet he does it, and we read it now. Who is Isaiah? I can tell you who he is. He's the son of Amos. He was a prophet in Jerusalem for 40 years. He lived for more than 700 years before Christ, who he testified would be born. He's the prophet whose words I've read my whole life and never understood. But that is not ultimately who Isaiah is. Isaiah is a son of God. Isaiah was in the premortal existence and chose the Father's plan. 
Isaiah came to earth to receive a mortal body, and he lived to fulfill the commandments of the Lord. Who are you? You are a son or daughter of God. You were in the premortal existence. You chose the Father's plan. You came to earth to receive a mortal body. And I know that you want to live to fulfill the commandments of the Lord just like Isaiah did. You are just as equipped as Isaiah was to fulfill his calling as you are to fulfill the Lord's commandments here on the earth for you today. You are good enough. You are covered by the atonement of Jesus Christ as you repent and therefore worthy of all the spiritual gifts necessary to understand Isaiah. And you are better equipped after our study of the Old Testament this year than you ever have been in your whole life. A study of the Old Testament gives you the background you need to understand what Isaiah is talking about. You have been increasing your knowledge and understanding of your identity as a literal part of the house of Israel, the people who Isaiah is prophesying about in all these chapters. My goal today has been to motivate you to really study this week. There's so many resources available to you. I know that there are other podcasts who are going to dive even deeper into exactly the things that Isaiah talked about. Go listen to them. Go listen to to general authorities who have talked about this and written about this. Order some books, whatever you need to do. Ask for help from the Spirit. Use those resources and see what you can get out of Isaiah. And I can 1,000% promise you, if you are doing it with the Spirit and asking the Lord for help, you will get out of Isaiah what you need to right now. The Bible Dictionary concludes its commentary about Isaiah by saying, The reader today has no greater written commentary and guide to understanding Isaiah than the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants. As one understands these works better, he will understand Isaiah better. And as one understands Isaiah better, he more fully comprehends the mission of the Savior and the meaning of the covenant which was placed upon Abraham and his seed by which all the families of the earth would be blessed. The Savior said, And now behold, I say unto you that ye ought to search these things. Yea, a commandment I give unto you that ye search these things diligently. For great are the words of Isaiah. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.